How many of us out there feel like, you know what, if we're being honest, we feel like that at times with our jobs. You know, how many people do we have out there that like the TV show The Office? You guys like it? Great show. It was a new episode this week. It was amazingly written. Glad the writers are back. But um, part of the reason why we love this show is that they don't have a point for their lives, you know, except for selling paper that they're not passionate about at all. You know, they sit at a cube, you know, you do your life and you, you try to find funny stories in the midst of that and you make a TV show out of it. This week, I came across a sociological study done. They took 50 95-year-old individuals, okay, 50 95-year-old people of all different races, ethnicities, uh, religions. There's no criteria for that. They just sat them all in a room. They said, hey, if you could do life over again, what would you do differently? You know, if you got one more shot to do this life, what would it, what would it do? What would you do differently? And there were three answers that were weaved throughout all, all, of these 95, all of these 50 people at 95 years old. Here's the first one. They said, man, if we could do it over again, we would risk more. Say, so in relationships with people, with jobs, with finances, so we just risk more. You know, because in the end, you know, we do what's comfortable and what's easy. And we look back and we're like, man, if we would have risked more, we could have made, <laughs> made even more money and done greater things you know, if we just would have risked it. But we weren't willing to do it. Their second thing, if they could do it over again, said they would reflect more. They said instead of moving from item to item to item in their life and opportunity to opportunity, they'd sit and they'd reflect and they would celebrate the great things that are going on. And when there's a tough time, they would sit and they would cry and they would engage in the moment as opposed to just letting all those moments pass by because you're moving on to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. And the last one they said, they said, hey, if we had one more shot at this life, we'd pour our lives into stuff that would last beyond our years, you know, into ministries, into people, into organizations, into things that would last beyond, you know, my existence here on this planet. And I started thinking, man, I don't want to get to the age of 95 and feel like if I just had one more shot, if I could just do a little bit more, then maybe my life would count for something. Or, man, I lived a good life, but if I would have done this, then it would have been really, really amazing. And so I read that and I was like, man, I don't want to be there, you know. It's a, quite a ways off for me, you know, but I don't want to be there at all. I want to stay as far away from that as I can, you know, because I want to live a life that counts here now. I don't want to have any regrets when I die. The cool thing is, is if you've been with us the last couple of weeks, couple of weeks, we're talking about this series called Unstoppable. And what we've said is that since Jesus rose from the dead, that his hand has been upon the church. Okay, the church is one of the only organizations throughout all the world in the last 2,000 years that has survived. Okay, there's been empires that came to power and they're gone now. But the church has been here from the beginning, you know, from when Jesus rose from the dead until today. And it's still alive and it's still moving and it's still some incredible things going on. One of the only things in the world that's done that. And what we said over this Unstoppable series is that the same power that has kept the church alive, okay, that has kept it th flourishing throughout, is available to us today as followers of Jesus. You know, it's available to us, and we just fail to tap into it. If you were with us last week, Dave said that we, as the church, so the church is not K2, the church is the people inside of it. He says that we as the church have been terrible representatives of God. You know, when you meet people on the streets and you're like, hey, I'm a Christian, they usually cringe up inside and they're like, oh, you're one of those people. You know, because we've done a terrible job of representing what it means to follow Jesus. Hey guys, can we do one more little crunch? If there's any seats, we have people in the back that are not going to be able to sit. 
and, uh, and join us today. So if there's any seats beside you, just crunch it in. Put your arm around the person next to you. Introduce them to them. Give them a breath mint. But that way we, uh, we can get everybody we need to in here. So guys, so we've been talking about this series called Unstoppable. And here's what Dave said that so touched my heart. He said, so many times we say yes to ourselves and we say no to God. You know, God asks us to do something. He puts something on our hearts. He puts something in our mind and we say, no, God, now's not the time. Not yet, not now. But when it comes to our own wants and needs and desires, we're like, yes, I'm all about it. And Dave said, it's not about doing religious activity. It's not about going to church or reading your Bible. It's about doing what God wants you to do. And we gotta be a people who say yes to God all the time. And so today, we're talking about embracing the time and the place that God has put us specifically in the gifts to be his representatives to the world. So that's why it's called embrace. Embracing that and being willing to take it to heart and say, hey, I will do this. And so we're sitting in the planning meeting and I found out that I'm teaching on embracing this truth you know, of just owning who you are in the specific time and place and sharing you know, with the world around you. And I thought to myself, I am not the man for this. You know, I don't know what, what they're smoking, Andy and Dave, but... <laughs> By the way, it's 4.20, if anybody didn't know that. So if you do, I, I work with the students, so sorry. If you don't know what that means, ask a student. But um, <laughs> anyways, um, so we're sitting in the planning meeting, and they said, hey, Ryan, we want you to talk on embrace. And I just got this sinking feeling in my stomach. I was like, I am not the man. You know, I could do other, other messages, other series, but this one is not for me. I just felt so inadequate. And I was like, hey, you know what, guys? I do not have it together. And here's why. Here, I came up with a couple of things. Here's why. I fail to embrace who I am and be God's representative to the world. Here's the first one. I do not feel smart enough, okay? I have friends that, some of the, that are some of the smartest people I've ever seen. They'll sit there, and if you ask them for advice on a situation, they're like, Ryan, if you do A, it'll lead to B, and then C, and then D, and then E. I'm like, holy cow, I can't see plus, past A. You know, and they're telling me all these different things are going to happen as a result of this decision. One of my buddies, if you ask him for advice, he'll give you like four awesome examples of how you should do this and how it should play out in your life. I'm like, I just know right or wrong, kind of sometimes, you know. But so my wife and I, uh, my wife's pregnant with our first child, and the baby's due in two weeks, so excited. And so we, we're, we've got all these shower gifts and toys and everything. And so she has this little stuffed animal toy, my daughter does, that um, I can't seem to figure out. There's a little handle on it, and I pull it, and nothing happens. Okay, and I'm like, I know it makes a sound. I've heard people do it before, but I can't figure it out. And I'm telling you, the other day, I almost yanked off the little handle off this stuffed animal toy. I can't figure it out. And so... Friday afternoon, one of our friends is over, and they have their three-year-old daughter named Lily Kate. And so Lily Kate and I are hanging out in my daughter's room, and she's showing me how the toys work. I said, Lily, I can't figure out this toy. She goes, Ryan, let me show you. And she takes the toy, and she pulls it apart. So it's not a matter of pulling the handle. It's a matter of pulling the toy apart, the stuffed animal. It's this little thing, and it becomes bigger. And I was like, holy cow, I'm learning from a third grader. Not a third grader, a three-year-old. You know, I can't even figure out this stupid little toy. And so sometimes I just feel like a big egghead. And I feel like everybody around me is really smart, and I don't feel that smart. If it's not because I'm not smart enough, my next reason is that I make way too many mistakes. I screw up all the time. And let's just get it on the table. I work for a church, okay? And I still mess up all the time. Here's some of them. I just wrote down the mistakes that I've made over the last month or two. I've had jealousy and envy and pride. And I, do I doubt all the time. I'm like, is this really real? A critical heart and selfishness. And sometimes I feel like, man, it's all about me. I want what Ryan wants. And those are just things that infiltrate my life. And so I say, hey, I'm not adequate enough to 
embrace the place and the time that God has put me so I can be his representative. And if it's not that I'm not smart enough or I make too many mistakes, it's that I just feel like a loser, okay? So I'm being honest on this one. I want people to like me, okay? When I meet you for the first time, I want to shake your hand and I want you to think, dude, that guy is pretty cool. You know, I, I would love to hang out with him or at least if not hang out, be one of those friends that you could like invite to a movie. You know, the friends that you wouldn't want to go out to coffee with, but you're like, hey, come to a movie with me. You know, so you don't have to talk, and you can just sit there and stare at the screen, and then you hop in your car when you're done. And so, but here's what I do. So when I start to feel like somebody doesn't like me, I try that much harder. I engage in conversation. I ask them questions, and I pursue them. I try to hunt them down, okay, to get them to like me. And what it does is it pushes them further and further away. You know, and they're like, that guy is a total weirdo, you know? But, so those are the reasons I have why I don't embrace how God has made me at this time to reach the world. I'm not smart enough. I make too many mistakes. I feel like a total loser. I'm guessing that maybe you this morning, maybe you have some excuses of your own. You know, some reasons that prevent you from being the person that you want to be. I came up with a couple of them that I hear all the time. Maybe for you, it's that I'm too busy. I just don't have enough time. I'm too shy. It's too risky. I'm too young. I'm too old. I'm not cool enough. I don't make enough money. I make too much money. I'm too ugly. I'm so overweight. I'm a hypocrite. I mess up too much. I make too many bad calls. People don't like me. I'm just a big loser. You know, those are some of the excuses that I hear all the time of why we fail to embrace the way that God has made us. And I started thinking about it. And just three weeks ago, three or four weeks ago, was Easter Sunday. And Dave was up here and he said, hey, you know what? There was power that rose Jesus from the dead. And he said, the same power is available to us today. And I thought, man, if that's really available to us today, why don't I tap into that power? Why do I feel like this incomplete mess of a man? You know, when there's power available to me that would make me whole, it would make me full right now starting today. And I think all of us, you know, there's this power that's available and we just pass it by. I think part of the reason we pass it by is because we're busy saying yes to ourselves and no to God. Like, not now, God, maybe someday. I got lots of great excuses. And I want us to be a people who say yes to God. When God calls us to do something, we're like, all right, God, no matter what it takes, I'm going to do it. God makes it pretty clear in Acts 17, 26, what he wants from us and what his plans are. Listen to this. So it says, From one man he made every nation of men, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. So you look at the first part. Okay? From one man, he made every nation of men. The one man is Adam. So he's saying, hey, people are everywhere, not just in one little city, one little town, one country, but my people are everywhere. But here's the part I want you to catch. He determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. Okay? So I read that, and I was like, the times that they are born? God determined the time that we were going to live and the time that we were going to die. And not only that, he determined the place that you're going to live. If you live in an apartment or a townhome or a house, God determined that. I thought that was up to us. You know, when Clarissa and I were looking for a house in Salt Lake, we're like, all right, what's the best deal? Where do we want to be in the neighborhood? It's, God has had his hand in this from the beginning of time, and he knew exactly where I was going to live. He knew I was going to live on Cherry Plum Court. You know? But the question is, is why? Why, did, why does he want us to be out there? Why, does, why did he determine the time and the place? And we get the answer in 2 Corinthians 5.20. He says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. When you look up the word ambassador, it means representative. If George W. Bush has an ambassador, someone goes and speaks on his behalf. They represent him. 
What Christ wants is for every single one of the people that call themselves followers of Jesus to be his ambassadors, to be his representatives wherever we live, wherever we work, wherever we go. That's what he wants from us. And so I started thinking, man, how do I do? Do I do a good job at that? And automatically, one of my buddies came into mind. His name is Prince. Prince, like the singer Prince. Um, I used to live in Fort Wayne. And so right before Clarissa and I got married, I had one year where I was in my own apartment, saving money for our wedding, just living the life. And so I, I remember praying. I was like, Lord, if you want me to do something significant this year or just be your representative, then so be it. And so every day I would walk from my parking spot all the way behind the apartment complex to the back of the building where my apartment was. And I would walk right by this guy. He was 20 years old, African-American guy. He would sit on his porch and he would just smoke pot all day. Okay? He, had a, he had a bong for marijuana that he would just sit and he would just smoke it all day. The police would never come. Nobody ever called on him. It was the most bizarre thing in the world. But uh, his name was Prince. He was a Fort Wayne-based rapper. Okay? Awesome guy. I just said, man, I'm going to start loving on this guy. I'm going to do whatever it takes so that he can know of God's love. And so one night I'm on a date with Clarissa and we're at a coffee shop, and it goes longer than anticipated. I'm coming home, and it's like 1.30 a.m. on a Saturday night. And so I pull in the driveway or the apartment parking lot, and I'm kind of sleepy. And I look over, and there's Prince's car. Okay, he has this little ghetto car, and it, like is one of those that like lowers and raises. It's really cool. But um, it's being taken away by the impound. Okay, they have an impound uh, taxi. What do they call that? Where they hook it up, and they pull it up. The tires go up. I forget what they call it, but... Tow truck. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so it's on the tow truck, and the guy's like trying to get it, and it's lowered, so he's having problems. And so I'm like, oh, crap, Prince is going to freak out. And so I go to the Prince's door, and I start ringing the doorbell. He doesn't answer. And so I just am like going nuts on the doorbell, 1.30 in the morning. And finally, Prince comes to the door, and he's just in his whitey tidies. okay? And, and he's like, what's up, Ryan? And I was like, dude, you want to get your car there impounding it? And he's like, What? And he runs out in just his whitey tighties, okay, into the, into the apartment parking lot. You know, he runs out, hops in his car, has to hop up on the tow truck, the back of it. He gets inside, and he's yelling and screaming at the impound guy. He's like, I've paid my bills. You know, and the guy's like, no, you haven't. And he's like, I'm taking your car. And Prince is like, no, you got the wrong guy. You know, and so Prince is like, well, at least let me get my stuff. He's like, Ryan, will you help me? I was like, I'll help you. And so I have my hands out, and Prince starts loading up all his CDs that he sells, his cigarettes, his pot, okay? I'm sitting there in the middle of this apartment, and I'm just like, parking lot, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'm going to go to jail, you know? And it's right there, and I'm trying to show this guy love, and so we take it all inside. He gets his car taken away. I have to give him a ride. Well, Clarissa and I decide, hey, let's take this guy out for dinner. So it was right around Christmas time. Let's take him and his girlfriend out, and so we go to the little Applebee's, and he orders like three beers and a mixed drink. Okay, I told him anything he wanted, and so he just wanted the alcohol, and so he's sitting there, and so you know, we're trying to share God's love with him and just be, a, you know, be an example to him. And we're on the way home, and he's like, hey, Ryan, can we make a little stop? <laughs> and you're thinking what I was thinking. I was like, oh, gosh, I'm going to go to jail for sure. You know, I worked at a church at the time, and so we, we stopped at the liquor store. Okay, we didn't do his, the stop I thought we were going to do. But um, he comes out, and I'm not kidding you, he had so much alcohol he could barely walk. And since his car was impounded, he had no way of getting it. So he wanted to load up all the way through Christmas, through New Year's, and all that stuff. And here's the crazy part, is that Clarissa and I were able to share with, with Prince about God's love and the plan and the call that he has on his, on his life. Prince never accepted Christ, didn't decide to follow Jesus, but he could tell you today, if he was up here, says, he would say, hey, I know that God loves me. I know that he has a call on my life. And then I, will, I probably will never find purpose 
you know, like I thought I would other than following God. He would say that. He would know. But he just said, it's not for me right now, Ryan. And the cool thing was, was that we can't do anything with the results. But we can be faithful to the call. When God tells us to be, you know, to say yes to him, we can say, yes, God, I'll share with, I'll share with Prince. You know, I'll do whatever it takes. And so my question for you this morning is this. Where has God put you specifically? The place that you work, the place that you live, the coffee shop that you frequent, and who are the people around you that may never get a chance to hear about God's love and his grace and his goodness and the plans and the call that he has on their life unless you share with them? Where has God put you specifically? And my hope is that, as I say that, that people are coming to mind. You're like, oh, yeah, that person that I just happened to overlook or I'm too busy to talk to. Or the person that sits a few cubes away from you, you know, that you know is hurting right now. Because they may never get to hear without you being the voice. Ephesians 5 says it like this. It says this is what our job is to do. Ephesians 5, 1. It says, be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. So he's saying, hey, be imitators. Imitate Christ so much so that you're willing to give yourself up. Make yourself a sacrifice so that other people can know. And the cool part is that not only did God decide the time and the place we're going to live, he decided the gifts that each of us are going to exhibit. Here's what he says in 1 Corinthians 12, 11. He says, All the gifts are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. So the way that we're gifted is not up to us. You know, it's what God has decided. And the cool thing is, is sitting in this room, we have so many gifts and talents. It's unbelievable. You know, I just feel like we fail to tap into those. If you're sitting here this morning, you're like, I have no idea, Ryan, what my spiritual gift is, what I was designed or created to do. You know, go to Google and type in spiritual gifts survey. Go to Barnes & Noble and go to the gifts department, the spiritual gifts, and you can find a gazillion books on it. Andy did a message on the 27th of January called Valuable. You can get the CD in the back where he talks specifically about these gifts we've been given because every person in this room has an awesome gift that's used to bring him glory. Here's one of the things that drives me nuts, though, like when we share about, about people sharing their faith and all that kind of stuff. So I just watched this video on uh, TV called The Jesus Camp. You know, and, and one of the angles that people often go to, they're like, hey, do you want to guarantee that you have a spot in heaven, you know, something to come to look forward to? You know, and I'm always like, that's cool, but I feel like following Jesus is so much more than just a spot in eternity. You never have to worry about that. It's a full life. It's a whole life that starts as soon as you let Jesus in. And when we say yes to God and no to ourselves, we're like, oh, we begin to start to figure it out. And I just feel like so many people are, are, are misguided in that, oh, when you become a follower of Jesus, it's just what happens when you die. But no, it starts today. I would even say this for me, that I would follow Jesus if there was no eternity. Okay, let's just pretend there was no heaven or no hell. I think he is worth following right now for the satisfaction and the joy and the love that I feel from him every day of my life. And not just a spot in eternity, because that's, that's an added bonus. It's something awesome that happens, but that's not why we do it. So, <laughs> amen. So you think to yourself, why would he use me? Why would he use Ryan Coley to share God's love with Prince? And you know what? Scripture is full of person after person that God used that wasn't exactly who you would pick. When Jesus went to pick his 12 disciples, do you know who he picked? He picked the average, the run-of-the-mill dudes. He picked a couple of uh, fishermen, a tax collector, an accountant, and a political activist. That's who Jesus picked to be one of his 12, one of his closest followers. You would think 
that when it came time for Jesus to pick his disciples, he would have picked the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes of the day, the best-looking, the most educated, the most, the most respected people in all the business. But he had nothing to do with those guys. He went for the lowly, the people who were... <laughs> the, um, the disciples were a bunch of cheaters. They were sinners. They were liars. They were despised by the religious community. And Jesus went to him. He said, I want you. And for me, that's refreshing to think that, you know what? God does pick me, even though I don't feel smart enough. And I feel like a total loser at times. And I make way too many mistakes. You know, but he still chooses me and says, I want you. And if you're sitting here this morning and you're like, hey, Ryan, I'm not just an ordinary man. You know, I'm not like one of the disciples. I'm not like you. I have it all together. I'm the next American Idol, okay? <laughs> I'm the most successful businessman in all of Salt Lake. I have the biggest house in Park City. I, was the, I had an 1800 on my SATs. I was the prom queen. I have it all figured out. Well, the good news is, is he'll use you too. Okay? He wants to use every single one of us, not just the ordinary, but every one of us. And he wants to use us so that we can embrace you know, what he has made inside of us in the time that we are born to be his representatives to this world. And so I started thinking, man, there's a guy in Scripture that is a lot like me, that if you stripped away all of his accomplishments, you'd be like, that guy looks a lot like Ryan. And the person is Moses, okay? And Moses was the guy, if you've seen the movie, The Prince of Egypt, he led his people out of Egypt, okay? They were, they were captive, you know, they were in prison, they were slaves, and Moses, God said to Moses, hey, you're the man, Moses. I trust you, I want you to lead my people out. And Moses was like, Lord, I don't know what you're smoking, but I am not your man, okay? Here's what he had to say. So God tells him, he says, Moses, I believe in you, you're the man. God performed all these miracles so that Moses would just believe and know that you know, he wouldn't have to worry about a thing. Here's Moses' response back to the Lord, found in Exodus 4.10. He says, O Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. He's saying, Lord, I'm not your man. I'm not good at public speaking. I'm not good at being in front of crowds. Choose somebody else. You know, I don't want to do it. And you know what God said to him in that very next verse? He says, this is the Lord speaking, Who gave man his mouth, Moses? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you and speak. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. So the Lord says, hey, Moses, don't worry about a thing. I'm going to give you everything you need under the sun. And I just thought, you know what? I am so good at making excuses for myself. You know, to be his representative, I'm like, there's somebody else that's more equipped, that's more qualified. I'll also introduce him to Dave Nelson, and he'll take care of it, you know. But um, the cool thing is, is that God, when he puts a call on our life to be his representatives in the world, he'll give us everything that we need. He'll give us the words. He'll give us the finances, if that's what it takes. He'll give us the, the he'll change our hearts. He'll give us the ability. He'll give us everything we need under the sun. We just have to trust him. We have to stop saying yes to ourselves and start saying yes to God. Cool thing, I came across this verse this week. It's 2 Corinthians 12.9. And I've read it before. It has a special meaning to this. It says this, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. So what Christ is saying there is that anywhere where we're weak, he's strong. You know, I know it sounds very Christianese, you know, but it's the truth. Where, where we can't do it, where we say, like, hey, I give up. It's not me anymore. I don't have enough power. Christ rushes in and says, hey, I'm going to give you the power to do this. To do it. And the cool thing is, is I, my goal is not that Prince would say, hey, Ryan, you're an amazing guy and I love you and you know, hats off to you, but that he would say, hey, that God that you serve, there's something different about him. You know, he's worth following. That's what Christ wants us to say. 
you know, is that every person that sees us, they don't see us and think you're an awesome dude, but they see him as a result of it. And so I want to I bring someone to the stage who, who gets this, okay, who said yes to God time and time again in her life. And not only do they lead our Roots ministry, which is our college-age ministry here at K2, her and her husband, uh, Brian, um, but I also have the privilege of having them as friends. So Clarissa and I, we go on double dates and we hang out and that kind of thing. And the thing I love about Beth is that she's just faithful to what God asked her, asked her to do. And whatever it is, she's going to do it. So would you guys welcome Beth Woodward to the stage? Hey. Right. So Beth, tell us about yourself. Um, How old are you? Where do you live? All that stuff. Oh, let's see. I'm 24, and um, I'm married to Brian, and we moved here from... Yeah, oh, um, we moved here from Missouri about three years ago, and um, we met in college and um, decided to move out to Utah following. Um, I was in ROTC with the Air Force in college, meaning I was on scholarship with them. And um, so I have a four-year commitment to serving in the Air Force um, after I graduated. And so we're three years through that and um, just really excited to be in Utah. Cool. What, what was the hardest part? So you moved from Missouri to Utah. Big change. So I was from, from Missouri at one point in my life. So what, what was it like for you? Um, you know, at first it was really difficult. We were going through a lot of transitions with, you know, our first year of marriage and everything else. And um, we really started to question why God had brought us here. It took Brian several months to find a job when we moved out here and um, kind of felt like I had a hard time finding my place in the workplace. Um, I'm really proud to be a part of the service, but um, it was difficult kind of trying to find my niche and see why God had placed me there. And um, when we had started the running partner thing a couple years back, um, a good friend of mine, she told me, you know, Beth, don't get down because God is, has great things in store for you at work, and he's really going to affect people through you. So, so how's, that, how's that transition? What do you feel like God's mission for you is right now in Salt Lake and, and to come? Um, well, in January of this year, I started to have kind of a pull on my heart. Um, and after a lot of praying and thinking about it, um, I decided to volunteer for a deployment, meaning um, into the desert away from my husband. So you, you volunteered to go to Iraq? <laughs> wow. Um, so you wouldn't have had to go otherwise. Um, well, you never know. It kind of comes with the gig. And we said, you know, if it happens, it happens. But um, I really started to feel like God had placed women in the military on my heart and um, had heard a lot of stories about women who deployed who had issues with their relationships and um, just being away from home and finances and just kind of a loss of hope. And so um, I'm really excited to um, go out and be the hands and feet of Christ in that environment and bring hope and peace to these women. Wow. Did you guys catch that? So, so God put on her and Brian's heart. What did Brian say whenever he told him, hey, I feel like God's calling me to go to Iraq? Um, you know, he, he was really supportive. And um, up until that point, it was kind of funny. He was, he was against it. You know, you're not volunteering for this. But um, in January, when I talked to him about it, he was like, you know what, I have a peace about this, and if this is from God, I'm not going to stand in the way. That's so amazing. Yeah. What about now? What's it like? So with the coworkers and that mm -hmm. kind of thing, you know, that, that we're to be, you know, yeah. he, he designed the place and the time and the gifts. What's it like for you now? Um, you know, it's harder for me to see why I'm where I'm at for the day-to-day. -day. Um, 
I was kind of thinking about it, and it's hard to see the routine that you have as missional. Yeah. But um, kind of one story as an example. Uh, one of the girls I worked with who was my age for two years, she recently moved to Japan. And we've stayed in touch and kind of shared our faiths with each other. And, is um, she a follower of Jesus? No, she's not. And so um, she, I found out recently that she's going to be in Iraq at the same time and place as me. Mm. And I'm, I'm just excited that to see how God's going to provide and really let me live intentionally when I come back from that and um, just down the road to come. Awesome. So how could K2 pray for you? So when we think of you and we see Brian when you're gone in September-ish, what, uh, how can we best pray for you? Um, you know, I've been thinking that God doesn't need me to do this, to reach these women there, um, but he's chosen to. And so mm. just if you could pray for peace and just a confidence that comes from him during this time. That'd be awesome. Awesome. You guys give it up for Beth. Thanks, Beth. So the cool... <laughs> Oops. So the cool thing is, is that when we're faithful in the little things in life, you know, all of a sudden, you know, God entrusts us with more and more and more. You know, before long, we're like, holy cow, I didn't know I'd end up here. You know, and that's where you end up. You end up going to Iraq or whatever it is for you. You know, but when we're faithful and we keep saying yes to God, all of a sudden he gives us more than we ever thought, could ask or imagine, as it says in Ephesians. So gang, everyone here, everyone in this room, my hope and my prayer this week has been that we could embrace the time that we live, you know, in the places, the place we go to work, you know, the place that we live. And we think, man, I could be Christ's representative there. So if you're sitting here this morning, you're probably somewhere between one of these three camps. I want to tell them to you, and I want you to say, hey, which one would I see myself in? You know, and maybe you're on the fence between one and two. That's totally cool. But which one are you in today? Maybe you're here, and the first camp is that you don't know Jesus personally, and you're searching. And you're like, man, there has to be something else out there. You're searching for significance in your life, and you're just not finding it. You find stuff that satisfies you for a day, a week, a month. But in the end, you're like, man, I'm just missing something on life. You know, I think that thing you're missing is Jesus. You know, but go at your own pace. I want you to come and I want you to experience this community. You know, I want you to, to, to let us be Jesus' hands and feet to you. you know, experience the love and acceptance like you have never had before. If that means joining a serving team, you know, or just showing up at a small group. Or if that means grabbing some people that brought you and say, hey, take me to lunch and, let's, and you guys pay. Take me to lunch and you pay. And, and tell me about this Jesus that you serve. You know, let them do that. And know that we're not always perfect representations of Jesus, but we'll do our best. You know, and we don't have it all figured out, but we're on the path towards figuring it out. You know, and if that's you, how cool would it be for this next year to discover why you were made and what you were created for? You know, and to know, for me, it's reassuring to know that, you know what, I wasn't an accident. I wasn't a coincidence. But there was a specific time, a specific place, and I have a purpose here on this planet. And maybe if that's you this next year, you could begin to discover that. Maybe you're here this morning, and this is you. You've been a follower of Jesus for a while, but you've said no to God time after time after time. And you've said yes to yourself, and you've allowed the excuses to infiltrate your mind and your heart. And before you know it, you're like, man, how did I get at this place in my life? My encouragement to you, if this is you, is that we would move past our excuses. We would say, hey, enough is enough. God's going to fill in everything that I need. Just as he said in the Corinthians verse, you know, we don't have to worry about a thing. His strength is made perfect in our weaknesses. And that when you go home today, okay, my, this is my hope, is that a, fl a flip, 
switches, switch flips, however you say that, but um, it flips switches for you. And you go home today, you park your car in the driveway instead of rushing in to watch the Lakers beat up on the Nuggets. You know, that you would close the door and you would walk around your little block and you would pray for every single house that's out there. And you'd say, hey, what if I got to represent Christ to that neighbor? And you'd pray that they could know God's love this next year. And not through K2, not that they would come to this building, but through you in your life. And what if tomorrow you go to work and you're like, all right, I have different eyes for the way that I work. I don't just go to work to make money and get a paycheck. I go to work to be his representative. And so as soon as somebody starts talking smack about somebody that's not there, you stand up for that person or at the very least walk away. You know, as soon as everybody else is padding the numbers and making it work, you know, and nobody is ever going to find out about it, you stand up and say, hey, you know what? I just can't do it anymore. And somebody at work screws up and they're like, I made the biggest mistake ever that grace and forgiveness would just flow out of you. And maybe for you, it's not your home or your work. You know, maybe it's a coffee shop that you frequent. You know, and the next time you're in there and you order your double espresso latte vanilla extra whip with caramel drizzle on top or whatever it is you drink. I'm not a coffee fan. But, um, you know, and they're taking an extra two minutes and you're sitting there and you're getting ticked off. You're like, I got, I got stuff to do. You're taking your time. And you see that the person behind the counter is having a bad day. If you just reach over and say, hey, what's going on in your life? And you know, I see you here all the time. Is there something going on today that I could, he could tell me about? And maybe you just get to be you know, the hands and feet of Jesus at the coffee shop. Somebody that you look over every day that maybe walks past your house that you haven't made time for. Or someone that sits a few cubes down that you say, you know what, they don't look like they're doing so well. Maybe I could represent Jesus to them today. My hope is that when people look at you this next year, they don't begin to say, oh gosh, they're a Christian. There they go again. But they say, man, who is this God that you serve? And what is going on in your heart and in your life? Because I want some of that. And that your mentality would be, like, would be this. It would be like, man, look where God put me. Look where he's put me specifically to live, to work, to hang. And you'd be okay with that. You'd embrace it. Maybe you're here this morning and, and you're a follower of Jesus. You have been for a while. And you say yes to God all the time. My encouragement to you is to think, man, your days are numbered. We only have so long left on this planet. Let's make each and every day count for something. Count for something that's good. My hope is that everywhere you go, that you would just radiate with smiles and peace and people would sense that there is something different about you. The two questions I have for you today, you know, if that's you, is it, what can you do to be more effective? Are there tools you can get? Are there conversations you can have? Are there people that can pour into you or you can pour into, you know, in order so that you can be more effective with the short time that we have left here? And the other thing is, are there people that you're missing? You know, are there people that you've just overlooked that come to mind and be like, oh man, I had the perfect opportunity to represent to them, and I just haven't done it. And so I hope that everybody is in one of those three categories and that you take the action steps accordingly. My hope and prayer, imagine this, guys. If every single one of us embraced this truth, that we knew that we were here at a specific time, a specific place to be his representatives to the world, I think this valley would look a heck of a lot different than it does right now. I think we'd be a people who are full and excited about life, and we are engaging in conversation and relationship. And we're giving people a reason to live. And that's my hope for every one of us. One of my biggest fears is that all of us would get to the end of our lives. We'd get to 95 and they'd sit us down in a room. And we'd be like, well, life was good. But if only I would have risked more. If only I would have done my, made, poured my life into stuff that would count. I don't want to get back and regret. I don't want you guys to do the same. So may we as K2 be a people who embrace this truth and follow him and say yes to God 
and know to ourselves and know that we are his representatives here on this earth. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to worship. Okay, we're going to sing, sing songs. We're going to have you guys stand up in just a minute. We're going to sing songs. We're going to tell God how great and awesome he is. And if you're willing to make that commitment to say, hey, you know what? I will be your representative, Lord. What I want you to do is I want you to grab a push pin over here and I want you to stick it in the map. Stick it in the place where you live, the place where you work, the place where you hang out at the coffee shop. Just pick one place and don't try to find like the exact address because otherwise we won't all be able to do it. But just say, hey, Lord, I'm going to say yes to you at this place. You know, if you want me to love on a person, I'm going to do it. And stick that pin in a map just as one more act of worship to say, God, you have every part of me, you know, and I'm willing to do whatever it is you say to do. So we want you guys to stand up with us and we're going to worship the Lord Almighty. And when you're ready, come and stick a pin in there and say, God, I'm committed to do this for you.